Games in this podcast range from E to M. Hello and welcome back to the official Xbox podcast. My name is Tina Amini. I'm here with my fellow co-host, Jeff Rubenstein. But we also have two very, very special guests for this very special, relatively shorter uh, podcast episode. We have Carrie Patel here from Obsidian, as well as Gabe Paremo from Obsidian. Can you guys introduce yourselves just briefly, what you do at Obsidian and on Avowed? My name's Carrie Patel. I've been at Obsidian for over 10 years now, and I'm the game director of Avowed. My name is Gabe Paramo. I'm the gameplay director, and I've been at Obsidian for about five years. Cool. We'll, we'll, de- we'll delve into those roles a little yes. bit. Uh, but first, we're actually recording this a little behind the scenes here, yeah. right before the Dev Direct goes live. Like, how does it feel? But you're just about to share Avowed with the world. It's so exciting. I mean, I know the team has put so much hard work into this game, and we're going to get to see a little bit of that in some of the footage we're looking at today. And so it's really rewarding knowing all the love and polish that's gone into this to finally get to show people where Avowed is headed. It was very cool um, being down at Irvine, filming with you guys for Developer Direct. So I got to be behind the scenes, and it was it was very fun to see the office, to see everybody um, busy working, but also excited to present um, about the game. And we're gonna in a, just a minute see actually some extended footage from the Developer Direct. So it's very exciting. Um, but let's talk about Aora first because we are in Aora. Um, we that's part of a world that you guys have built previously for the Pills of Eternity uh, universe. So we know that that's very Obsidian-like, of course, but in, in Developer Direct, you both talked about Obsidian's pedigree and like what makes Avowed a very Obsidian game. So what, aside from Aora and that context and building off of the Pillars universe, what would you both say makes it an Obsidian game? For me, it's really about our player-centric approach to role-play. Um, our studio's motto is, your world's your way. And so the way we really approach choice and consequence and everything else is just giving players opportunities to define who they are in this world, how how they want to behave, like just what fantasy, what challenges they want to undertake. And so with all of the content we design, whether it's quests, companion relationships, or gameplay, which Gabe can talk to, we really try to create this player-shaped whole so that we're always leaving room for players to really step in, drive the game and the story forward, and just define who they are in this setting. Yeah, from the gameplay perspective, right, if you look at Grounded, Grounded is uh, your world, your way, you get to build whatever world you want. Uh, in the context of, of Avowed, right, we've we've tried to, to lean into that with the gameplay mechanics and sort of let the player, through the loadout system, through what companions you can choose, through the abilities they can choose, they're throwable that they can select, right? Just what does the player want to do uh, for combat and being able to support that uh, in as many ways as possible. So in the Dell, in the Dev Direct, you, you kind of swoop through very quickly. There's a lot there to take in. So as Tina said, we have some extended footage here and we're actually going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to bust out our telestrators and we're going to pause <laughs> and say, okay, well, what do we just see here? So why don't we roll some of that footage and, and let's get into it. All right, so tell us, uh, where in the game is, is this area? When, how do you encounter it, even? So this is Shatterscarp, which is the third region in the game. Um, but what we're exploring here is just one tiny little adventure space in one corner of the region. And is this something you could even, like, miss? Is this an, an optional area or something you're definitely going to hit? It's absolutely missable. Um, you know, discoverability and letting players be the authors of their own experience is obviously very important to us. So the content you're seeing here, the quest you're encountering, the little stories and nuggets of adventures you're finding, that's really for players who, who go out and seek it out. 
So exploration gets rewarded, of course, and this is, from my understanding, a side quest too. So it's definitely something you can stumble on, decide to partake in or not. Um, but I'm curious, who are these enemies? Because I feel like we just wandered into their territory and it's just a family having a good old time and, yeah. and we're, we're just killing them out of nowhere. So who are these enemies and why do we hate them? <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't think we hate them, uh, actually. <laughs> um, they're, they're fine. It's more that they, they just don't really, they're our Zorups, right? They're from Pillars of Eternity. They don't really speak a language that we can understand, but they're very uh, territorial, mm -hmm. um, right? So you've you've stepped on their space. You know they're trying to get back their territory in this area, and yeah, they're just gonna take down whatever gets in their way. Can I just call it? We've confirmed swimming. Swimming is part of this game now. <laughs> yeah, confirmed. Yeah. Um, but but speaking of enemies, you know, as we're going through this area, I'm just curious. What are the other types of enemies that you might encounter and what does that difficulty progression look like? Because I know we're about midway yeah. through here, um, but perhaps later in the game, what does that look like? Um, well, we've shown off ogres and we've shown off, you know, big, scary looking bears. Yep. Um, but yeah, we, we have our uh, archetypes, right? So like uh, healers and, uh, you know, brute melee characters, brute range, people that are trying to use, you know, magic, uh, you know, melee attacks, right? So uh, yeah, just a, a bunch of variety of enemies that you can uh, fight and have to use the, the gameplay mechanics in order to defeat. Yeah. So there was a lot of stuff in the combat that actually I want to go back to. So if we can if we can back that video up and go back to that first encounter. Speaking of gameplay mechanics. <laughs> exactly. There, there's, I, I have some questions here. Yeah. Okay. So you're armed. I see you, you immediately yeah. you pull out a, a sword and a shield. It looked like there was a, a, a parry move that yeah. uh, the player uses here. Like right... Well, it's coming up here in a second. And then also charging the shield. Tell us about this. Yeah, so what you're seeing here is uh, is is our dual wielding system. Um, basically, you, the player has two loadouts, and you can put uh, something in your offhand and, and a weapon in your primary hand. And uh, we allow the player to mix and match one-handed weapons. Um, and so, so right there, what you're seeing is your sword and board, right, going into it and trying to close the gap in the distance and, and having the ability to parry with your shield. Uh, and power attack uh, with your sword. So there was a shielded enemy and it felt like uh, the sword and board yeah. stopped working. Yeah. But then you also, right there, you pull somebody in yeah. a little, get over here. Get, talk, yeah. talk to us about some of the different skills and, and abilities. Yeah, so uh, that's a, that's one of our ranged uh, units that basically is, is out in the in the distance. You, you know, you're using into the fray, uh, which is a mechanic to allow you to pull the enemy closer to you. Um, you know, again, we have power attack, that's a blocker. That's essentially um, not, not you know, your basic melee attacks are just not going to go through it. Um, so you're going to have to use your power attack to be able to break their block. Or you can swap to the wand if, it, if there's yeah. a shielded enemy, you know, you're not yeah. getting through to them. So how often in the game do you find maybe yourselves uh, through the experience? I, I'm much more a magic player. Yeah. I suspect I will be heading down like more of the wanded path. But clearly there's diversity with enemies and diversity yeah. in, in how you need to approach them. So can you talk about like how much you guys maybe in, in your play experiences have been swapping between them? Like what can we expect as players? Uh, we definitely try to have these mechanics that are common amongst most uh, weapons, but at the same time, uh, try to give the space across all the different weapon types. Um, so, you know, if you're using the wand, there's a lot of homing going on there. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, it's magic damage, it's going through their, you know, it's going through their armor and stuff like that. That's why I like it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, versus, you know, again, using uh, a melee weapon where you're gonna have to get closer to them. 
So oh. a little bit personal style, yes. a little bit like what are the enemies you're actually dealing with in yeah. that moment. Yeah. One of the great things about the system that um, Gabe's team has been building, though, is it's very flexible um, and it supports players mixing and matching between weapons, between ability trees. Um, respecking is, you know, pretty mm -hmm. easy for players who really want to try something mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. So when I'm playing, I, I kind of love to follow my sense of curiosity and sometimes you'll find a new unique weapon with some pretty nice buffs on it. And maybe you'll decide to rock that for a while, mm -hmm. um, even if it's not what you've been using previously. Yeah. So there is a skill tree in this game. Yes. Yes, there is. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. I'm, I love a good skill tree. <laughs> yeah. So oh, yes. it's good to, good to confirm that. One of the things we've done uh, in terms of skills in the tree is we've tried to, you know, uh, uh, pillars are classes, right? Um, we wanted to be able to grab as many abilities from the trees as possible um, and sort of categorize them a little bit differently so that the player doesn't feel like they're locked into a single choice at the start of the game. They can kind of mix and match, you know, between different abilities. So you can get some, some you, can you have some variety. Mm -hmm. You can choose to kind of commit to being a fighter, right, per se, but we're not, it's not an enforced kind of class setup. And, and as Carrie said, you can respect if you don't yeah, like exactly. the direction yeah. you went down. Yeah. I love that. But there are definitely some pretty fun and wild combinations like, you know, you can do your traditional sword and board or, you know, play more of a magic wielder with a grimoire and a wand, um, you know, but you can also take a pistol and a shield and just charge around the battlefield and fight characters at medium distance. And you can use some of the different abilities that you're seeing in this playthrough um, to support that flexibility. And on that note, too, um, dual wielding wands, I probably mentioned this last time we were in an interview together for Showcase Extended that I was so excited about it. And when I was down at Irvine, team was very generous to let me play a very early build and I got to experience the dual wielding wands and it's so snappy and fun. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what I was thinking it would be. But I'm curious because we're seeing a little bit of that now um, where you have different uh, spell casting effects on each. So I imagine there's probably some really incredible combos. Have you like seen some special combos yourselves or maybe what testers have, have managed to pull off? Yeah, definitely. Um, so you know, with Into the Fray, you could use like a fireball ability that creates like an AOE on the ground, right? And then pull the enemy into the fire. I love and it. they land, they land, they get Devious. on fire. Um, <laughs> but in terms of the of the wands, right? Like what you're seeing there is a is a, a sort of enchanted uh, wand, and you know there are potentially other elements that you can mm -hmm. maybe find. But Pillars is you know really known for their unique weapons and and the unique per permutations of enchantments that you can kind of see on them. So yeah. So in this particular area, I, I did also get to play through this part. And uh, first I, I realized you need to take out the healer first. Otherwise it's like going down <laughs> yeah, yeah, and up yeah, escalator. Yeah, yeah. You're not making yes. a lot of progress. Yes, yes, yes. But um, this is where I found that you really uh, start to put these things together. So mm -hmm. you, you froze that larger enemy. Mm -hmm. um, so sort of talk about some of these elements and, and how you can even use them outside of combat. Yeah, so um, yeah, we have an elemental system where you can like uh, guys on fire, you can freeze them, you can shock them. Uh, we have you know objects in the world that the player can interact with. They're they're not just on weapons, right? They're not just on wands, right? You can you might find something with a sword that has it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, certain abilities might cause elemental uh, damage. Also, your companions themselves, you know, could have potentially some damage there that. There was something when when uh, I had gotten a play where I wandered somewhere else mm -hmm. and and ran into uh, an area that was gated off mm -hmm. and and I was able actually to use that freeze yeah. to help uh, to progress in yes. the exploration. Yes, yeah, and so we have uh, objects like that. We also have you know maybe being able to burn brambles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you can destroy destroy barriers to find new areas to explore. Yeah. You can freeze paths in the water to maybe reach ledges that you can't normally. Yeah. Um, lots of fun options there. And a lot of what we saw, like we saw a Tanglefoot ability, for instance, which was really cool because when you're freezing an enemy, you're totally freezing them. But when you're trapping them with the Tanglefoot ability, like ranged attackers can still get you. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot of nuance there that as a player you have to consider. But... Also, a lot that was built off of the Pillars of Eternity universe, mm. like Tanglefoot, is directly um, associated from from those games. So I'm curious, like, how did you guys hone in on these abilities? Like, what are the combos you were thinking about? Anything that anything that you brought over yeah. and maybe changed or or made new too? Yeah. So for Tanglefoot, um, but because in, in an action first person game, it's all about movement and trying to like crowd control. Uh, for Tanglefoot, right, it's about also creating space. So we already had freezing. There's there you're crowd controlling that. Way, but with Tanglefoot, it's it's a little bit unique where they're rooted, and so they can they don't move, but they can still do attack. So uh, it's about trying to find that balance where you're not overpowering the enemy. And there's again choice and consequence for these these mechanics, um, so that the player just doesn't like just stomp everybody all the time, you know. So well, let's go back a little bit because we got an opportunity to talk about that very Obsidian style um, depth and breadth of gameplay. I have watched the developer direct so many times, I've memorized all of your guys' lines. <laughs> so that, that is directly lifted from there. Um, but there's another very Obsidian element um, to Avowed, which is branching dialogue and how you make choices within the story too. And Carrie, you alluded to some consequences potentially if you make one decision or another, but it's again, very much like playing your own way. So can you talk about just how impactful like those choices that you make are and, and that branching dialogue and how that can result in, in different paths for the player? Absolutely. So again, for us, um, creating these choices like the big ones that affect the outcome of a quest or you know, the well-being of certain characters or communities um, are just as important as the smaller choices that you make and navigating a dialogue and kind of you know, in subtle ways influencing your relationship with another character. But all of it is really centered around letting the player be the main character in this setting. Um, and so what we're seeing here is uh, you know, the players, they've been exploring, um, exploring this grotto. They're finding the bodies of these dead soldiers and kind of picking up pieces of a story along the way. And so here they finally found the survivor and um, talking through them about what happened and getting a little bit more information. So there is a moment that's going to come up after this where the player can uh, confront the guy who ran away um, and make a pretty impactful choice with him about how they decide to, to navigate that conversation. And they can either, uh, it's, it's very obvious that this guy was in over his head, and then they, they can either sympathize with him and console him a little bit, or challenge him for his cowardice and for the way he abandoned his unit. Um, and the way the player navigates that conversation definitely has big consequences for how uh, that encounter plays out. So you mentioned your player being the, you know, the main character, mm -hmm. but they're not the solo character. Yep. We see in this conversation uh, Giada and Kai, I want to say. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about the relationship with companions and how they interact both in the story and in in uh, gameplay? Sure. So, you know, your companions are your, your traveling partners in your journey through the Living Lands. Um, they all have deep ties to different regions of the Living Lands, and they all have their own personal reasons um, for wanting to ally with the player and help them resolve uh, the big conflicts that you're encountering over the course of the game. So they're your, your allies, in some ways your advisors, your local guides, um, and they provide a lot of additional commentary and context that reveals something both about their character, but also about 
about the corner of the world that you're exploring. Um, and Kai in particular has a pretty deep history with Shatterscarp that comes out a little bit over the course of this quest as he starts to see how the region and the people have changed in his absence and maybe where he let them down. Um, but obviously they're also your allies in battle and that's something that Gabe can speak to. Yeah, so for, for the companions, we, we wanted to make sure that they had their role uh, in, 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 the, in the combat systems. And so, you know, again, like I talked about, uh, Kai can uh, help you with the burning brambles, and um, and Giada is a, is healing, right? And so mm. Kai's kind of your tank. He he has an ability that's called taunt, uh, or it's not called taunt, but it's a taunt, and it, uh, a taunt allows you to basically uh, make the enemy uh, take aggression from them and, and start to focus on on Kai, uh, and then Giada can have the ability to heal your party. Um, so yeah, just they have they have impact in combat as well. Yeah. Should we assume there will be other companions throughout the game as well? Yes, you, they, you, you'll meet a couple more. Um, Kai and Giada are just two of them. Okay. Very I just know Obsidian known for some yes, pretty exactly. great companions. Mm -hmm. going to say the same thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's certainly an expectation. But it, you mentioned Shatterscarp. I'm already like really sad for Kai, and I already mm -hmm. want to console him because mm -hmm. I feel like you know there's some some history to uncover there. But what is Shatterscarp? That's obviously where we are mm -hmm. in, in this mission, in this extended um, footage that we've been seeing from Developer Direct. What is the context to Shatterscarp that we should know? Yeah, so as you can see, it's a it's a very arid environment. Um, a lot of the locals who have settled here are originally from Rawatai, which returning Pillars players will recognize as kind of this, um, this very fun but somewhat militaristic culture, um, which Kai originally comes from as well. So you've got this sort of very hardy little settlement um, on the cliffs overlooking the coast called Thirdborn. Um, but what the player encounters here is a ramp up in tensions between their people, the Adiran Empire, um, and the locals. Um, again, here primarily uh, settled around tie-ins, um, as everybody's sort of trying to negotiate some conflicts that are taking place um, and you know starting to grow in the living lands. You're also seeing uh, the the stronger effects of something called the Dream Scourge, which is the spiritual plague that you've been sent here to investigate. And just to add into that mix, we've also got uh, an archmage who has taken up one corner of the map and created her own little um, frozen labyrinth there. So mm -hmm. there are a lot of different characters, a lot of different tensions um, to navigate and that the player's going to get to encounter here. Carrie, stop. You're saying too much. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we're noticing just with the, the player, they're mantling their way through. It's a very vertical area. Mm -hmm. And there was actually one part of the footage where they, they look down and there's enemies there, and they choose not to engage. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you could just talk about like the, the size of this area and just like how um, how that affords the ability to like choose even just what to engage with and what not Your to. Your literal path. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's like, uh, it's open zone, right? So uh, comparable to Outer Worlds areas on the larger side. Um, and multiple paths, uh, essentially, to be able to tackle uh, combat situations. Um, or avoid them. Or avoid them, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, this area is entirely discoverable, which means it's also entirely missable. Um, and I really want to give a shout out to uh, Tyler McCombs, who's the uh, the area designer who uh, set up the little grotto we're exploring. Um, as you mentioned, there's a wonderful sense of verticality, um, just a lot of wonderful nooks and crannies to explore. Um, and that's something that we really wanted to, to take advantage of and also set up, as Gabe mentioned, really fun combat encounters around that let you either just you know, jump in, charge right in, or take a more tactical um, and measured approach. And you see that even in this first combat that you encounter when you, you know, you dive through that skull's mouth and you you come up out of the water. Um, our play tester here takes the, the rightmost path, which is the sneaky one, but you can also just, you know, Leroy Jenkins your way up the <laughs> middle and just jump right into the fray. 
I love that. Well, we got so much additional detail um, in this podcast. Really appreciate you both joining us. But before we wrap up, we have just a couple more questions too. Um, developer Direct is like an interesting show for us because we hand over complete reins to the, the you to the developers, wanting to give you all an opportunity to talk about the craft, the very obsidian craft in, in your guys' case, um, that goes into the game and, and how the team thinks about things when you're putting things together. So I'm just curious to hear a little bit more about that kind of team culture and also both of your roles like how do they integrate what does a creative director do what does a gameplay director do and what's your day-to-day working together like to to bring this game together to life Start? Sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, as the as the game director on the project, I'm responsible for setting out the vision and you know helping to guide the team and all of our different efforts towards that, um, and make sure that we're really building a cohesive and exciting player experience. Um, and you know, both the joy and the challenge of that is, you know, RPGs are so feature rich and so content rich. We have so many different systems supporting our combat, mm. our exploration, um, and then there's the way we build quests, the way we seed them through the world, the way we try to nudge players towards them without being too heavy-handed about it. And so, you know, I'm always trying to, to, we're always trying to balance how these elements work together to, again, create an experience that's cohesive and consistent, but also allow room for surprises and nuance and fun, um, you know, and not not get so so precious about the dogma of what we're building that we don't allow for those, those expressions of creativity and those things that, you know, we as developers love to create and we know players are going to love to find. Yeah, from uh, as my role in ga- as gameplay director, uh, you know, I'm trying to uh, direct a you know team for uh, that's kind of more revolved around uh, conversations, exploration, uh, and and combat. Right, that's kind of like kind of a, the big over overseen uh, parts of the game, and just working uh, with with Carrie to just make sure that we're we're following our pillars. Uh, you know, if you will, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Following, no yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> following our pillars, and you know, you know, having little. Uh, 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 Back and forth fights, right? About mm-hmm. you know whether the blocker should be holding a shield or mm-hmm. the blocker should be holding a, a spear. You were absolutely right, right by the way. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So, um, but yeah, just just uh, making sure that we're working together um, to be able to like to get the gameplay features that are fun. Make sure it fits in the lore. Make sure it fits part of the world. Make sure we're not doing anything that's maybe doesn't fit within the Obsidian brand, right? Like things that are mechanics that are too binary, right? And and more a little bit more. Uh, less black and white and a little bit more like uh, how RPG players would like them to be. So, yeah. And one of the great things about our studio culture is, you know, so many of us are RPG fans, and I feel like one of the real strengths of being a mid-sized developer is we are, you know, just large enough to be ambitious with the gameplay and the content we build, but also, you know, small enough that we can still be nimble and, again, still, um, you know, allow people to take big swings. And uh, the Leviathan Hollow that we see in this con- in the, the, this playthrough is a really great example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, it was scoped to be much smaller. Um, and, again, we found that the area designer, Tyler, who was working on that was had a schedule, things were going great, and so his producer and his lead kind of, you know, looked at the schedule and said, yeah, if you want, you've got time to make something more out of this, and we've got an excellent showpiece here that, again, is, you know, a wonderful combination of, you know, strong planning and coordination on the production side, to be sure, but also just some really great initiative, um, you know, from the team. So it's something I've been wondering since Avald was first uh, first revealed a few years back with that teaser, and and that is like, what can we glean from the title? When I think of like avowed, like you you can vow revenge, you can be avowed enemies. It feels like very personal. I'm just curious, like what we can what we can take away from the title as we. I want more right yeah. now, but this is all we're going to get today. <laughs> yeah. but, but just just what can we what can we be thinking about here? 
So I won't say too much this time, Gabe, <laughs> but um, yeah, so as the, the player character, you're the envoy. So you're a representative of the Adiran Empire. You are the personal representative of the emperor himself, and you're sent here on this mission to investigate the spiritual plague. So on the one hand, you're avowed to the emperor and the empire that you serve, um, but while you're in the living lands, you might discover another unique connection uh, to something else that's that's very close to you. So this game is very much about um, choosing your loyalties and uh, choosing what matters most to you. And that's all I'll say about this. <laughs> all right, well, I know what matters most to me is getting to play this game. Um, we'll talk more about that, but we're, you, we will hear a little bit more because coming up, I wanna say this Sunday, Carrie, you're gonna be on Drop Frames with JP and Co and Ezekiel. So make sure you tune into that. Anything else like before we let you go though that you wanna talk about? I, I just can't wait for players to jump into the living lands for themselves and explore all that it has to offer. Again, one of the most, uh, one of the big delights of being a developer on a game like this is creating so much for players to find and knowing that not everybody's going to seek it out and not everybody's going to find it, but knowing that the players who do are really going to enjoy the secrets they discover. I know that we've talked about a lot of stuff, but it's still just just a slice. I know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And we, we did get an opportunity to dive in a little bit deeper. Mm. So thank you both again so much for coming out and yeah. being able to talk to us. But yes, it is such a small <laughs> slice of it. So I'm excited to see more. Um, and we did announce in Developer Direct that the game is coming out in fall 2024. Mm. So it won't be too long mm. before we'll all be able to do so. Uh, and otherwise, we will see you for a regularly scheduled episode of the podcast with a regular length of a podcast <laughs> later this week. So you get two in one week. Uh, so please enjoy that. And thank you again, Carrie and Gabe. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Yeah.